And may we be obedient to what it is you speak. May we be doers of what we hear. It's in your name that we ask today. Amen. If you wouldn't mind, please uh, open up to, whoops, going the wrong direction. There we go. Nope, still the wrong direction. There you go. It isn't Sunday here at Wapak Naz if the pastor doesn't have difficulty with the PowerPoints. So uh, if you would, please um, open up to the book of Luke. So it would be New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or pull out your iPhone or your phone and click on the book of Luke. Um, It is uh, the third gospel in the New Testament. And if you would, please open up to uh, chapter 10. Um, Chapter 10. We're going to meet that right in the middle. Uh, We are going to be introduced, maybe for the first time or the hundredth time, to um, the home of Mary and Martha. Um, Mary and Martha were very good friends of Jesus, as well as their brother, Lazarus. In the book of John, uh, Lazarus had a moment. He was ill. And uh, he died, and Jesus was off doing ministry. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus, but Jesus didn't arrive until the fourth day. And at that moment, um, Jesus arrived, and he had conversation with Martha, and he had conversation with Mary, and it culminated in a moment of resurrection. We need more resurrections in the church, do we not? And following that that resurrection of Lazarus, there was another party. Um, There was another party that was thrown at this this same house by this same woman, Martha. She threw a party, and at that party, she served those that were her guests, including Jesus and his disciples, but also Mary, her sister, was at the feet of Jesus. And at this party, in honor of Jesus, she broke the alabaster jar over Jesus and at his feet, she wiped his, her, his feet with her hair. This is the same Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that we're about to read. And this is the first time that we see Mary, Martha, and probably Lazarus in the Gospels. And Jesus and his twelve are on the way to Jerusalem. They're taking a trek. And they come across a village. And so let's begin here. And verse 38, Luke chapter 10, and some of the scriptures will be up on the screen. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Folks, let's stop there for a second. Came to a village. This is a side note. You get this one for free today. Folks, I've lived in small towns my whole life. Started in Xenia, which is about 26,000 people. I went to a school in a, in a city called Bellbrook, Ohio, which was 7,000 people. I graduated from that school, and I trekked down to Williamsburg, Kentucky, to Cumberland College. And that was even a much smaller town. And then I came back to Xenia. <clears throat> then when I married my wife a year later, we trekked up to Piqua, where she, she was at, at that time, the, valley, or the upper, upper valley. Piqua is about 26,000 people today. And then we trekked up to here, to Wapak, which according to the, the census of 2016 is 9,816 people. And we are on the rise. They're all towns. They're small towns. 
And in my, the course of my short life, and many would say my, my very long life, but I, I would like to say it's my short life. Over the course of my short life, I've learned that there's a small town mentality. There's the small town idea that nothing good comes from the small town. That we can't get out of here. That it's always somewhere else. It's never here. Folks, we are a part of 37 million people in the United States. Small town America. It's actually filtering into our seminaries right now that if it's not urban ministry, it's not ministry. It's a lie. It's a lie. The only thing about small towns that is small is vision. God wants to do a work, an enormous work, right where you are. Right where you live. I don't know about you, but John Cougar Mellencamp keeps running through my, my mind. I was born in a small town, right? Hey, Jesus was born in a small town. It's called Bethlehem. Jesus was raised in a small town. It's called Nazareth. Jesus started his ministry in a small town called Capernaum. At its highest peak, it was probably a thousand people. Most of Jesus' ministry was in the small town. And as he's trekking to the metropolis of Jerusalem, he stops in a small, well, it's not even big enough to be called a town. It's a village. God wants to do big things in small places. But I kind of have a feeling that we have this tendency in our own spiritual walk, in our own spiritual journey, that God is doing something over there in someone else and not me. We take this small town mentality and put it into our own life. And folks, that's, that's a deception. But I want to tell you, if you continue to believe that God is doing something somewhere else in someone else, then guess what? He will. That will be your reality. God is doing something somewhere else in someone else and not me. If you want to see change and transformation and heaven come in to your life, then you got to get yourself in the right place. And sometimes the right place isn't necessarily just in the church pew or in a small group, a life group, or a Sunday school class. Sometimes the right place is right here in your mind. It's all about perspective, right? Jesus... Wherever he was, was the right place. And so, he comes into a small village, just about two miles outside of Jerusalem, right over the tip of the Mount of Olives. And isn't it with the village of Bethany that they're in the shadow of the metropolis?
There's always something happening over there. But Jesus said, I want it to happen right here. Folks, He wants it to happen in you. So in a small village, in a small home, guess what happens? Martha opened her home to Him. So let's continue. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. Period. Let's pause. Now, if, if, if Luke stopped the story there, it would be a great story. It would still be a good story. We would learn that you know, God does big things in small places and He wants to do big things in this place of Wapakoneta or Shawnee or Piqua or Bodkins, whatever small place you may reside in. But He also wants to do something big and enormous in the small home because His heart is just as big for the small city as it is for the urban city. And it's just as big for you and your home and your household as it is for the world. And Martha was willing to open up her home. Folks, God will not do what He wants to do in you if you don't open your home to Him. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. To whoever lets me in, I'll sit at your table and have a meal with you. Folks, if you want heaven on earth, then you've got to open your home. If Luke stopped the story right there, we, we, would, we would have a great, great lesson. But see, Luke doesn't stop the story there. This is the only gospel writer. Luke is the only writer of the four gospels that, that actually brings this story in. And he continues the story with, but Martha. But Martha. What about her? You ever have a but Martha moment? Well, you probably don't know what type of moment that is because I haven't read any further. But a but Martha moment. I've had a lot of but Martha's moments. Back in the day, I actually realized today that 20 years ago I met uh, my, my best friend, my mentor, um, my partner in crime, as Jackie would say, um, Big Don, 20 years ago. I texted him this morning. I was like, dude, I've been thinking about your smelly feet at camp and, um, <laughs> and rock solid, and I realized it's been 20 years since I met you. I love you, man. So probably about 18 years ago, 19 years ago, Zine and Az Youth Ministry had this really cool Sunday night service for our youth. It's called Rock Solid. Lights, sometimes a smoke machine, bleachers, band. It was rocking out, man. And uh, I distinctively remember one night after service, I was wrapping the cords up. 
was tearing down. And then I broke down a table, and it was at that moment where I was breaking the table down, I had my butt Martha moment. I looked around and I saw all these youth and all these youth leaders hanging out, talking, playing basketball, doing all kinds of other things with everything left to me. I was the only one tearing down. We had to get this stuff done. We were in the school gym. There's school tomorrow. We got to do this. You know it. You're staring right at it. And I could sense my body heat rising. And I got angry. I had a but Martha moment. I got angry because no one else was doing what needed to be done. And I mentally stumped my feet. Said, Lord, don't you care? Because they don't. They should. They should be doing this right along with me. I come here every Sunday, early. I put up, and I tear down. And it's sweaty, and I'm tired. It's a long day. Why aren't they doing it? That's a but Martha moment. Sometimes there are things that are important to us that are not so important for us. Let's look at Martha's moment. It says, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus. And she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Mm. A but Martha moment. You had one? Nobody wants to raise their hand on that one, do they? Folks, it's the Lord, don't you care type of moment. Our finger extended at everyone else. Don't you care? When did spirituality and our relationship with Jesus become narcissistic? Let me ask that one more time. When did spirituality and our relationship with Jesus Christ become narcissistic? When did it become about me? I don't think it ever was about me. Folks, when we create a fictitious wedge between us and other people, we create a real wedge between us and the Lord. And Martha has created a fictitious wedge between she and her sister. What is, what is Mary doing? She's sitting at the Lord's feet. Listening to the, every word he said. 
Matthew said last week, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's what Mary was doing. So were the other 12 disciples, probably Lazarus. We don't know if he was there, but my guess is he probably was. He loved him. He knew him. They had relationship. And can you picture the moment? Jesus having a conversation. We don't know what he was talking about, but more than likely Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. He never wasted words. He never minced words. He always took opportunity. And then we have Martha, who comes in and disrupts the life group. Jesus, don't you care? Can't you see me running around? I'm doing all this stuff. I need help. We don't know what preparations that she was doing. My guess is probably making a cheese ball because every group of people needs a cheese ball and crackers. I don't know. But she thought it important for her. What was important to her was not necessarily important for her. Remember I said it's about perspective, right? Wasn't Martha the one that opened her home? If we read the other two stories in in John chapter 11 and John chapter 12, particularly John chapter 12, it's the after party. It's the after resurrection party in honor of Jesus. Not Jesus' resurrection, Lazarus' resurrection. In that, that after resurrection party in honor of Jesus, what was Martha doing? She was serving. I think I just had this conversation with Matthew earlier. I really think uh, that Martha was a, a type A personality. She was a task-oriented individual. Typically task-oriented individuals who are type A, they want to get the job done. They want to do it, right? They're not typically the people person, right? Not always. Task over people. But I also think Martha, that was her gifting. She was gifted in hospitality. She was gifted in service. And to take it out of that, her love language, I think that was her love language. She just loved to serve people. Remember, it's about perspective. What if, what if, so go with me on this. Go with me. What if Luke... Imagine the story reading a little bit like this where he ended the period where Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to what he said. Period. What if the story went like this? And Martha served so that Mary, her sister, and everyone in the room could listen to the kingdom of God, about the kingdom of God. What if, what, what if the story was like that? 
that would reshift and reshape the whole dynamic, right? Because now it, it, it turns into Martha opened her home so they could have life group. And so that people, including her sister and probably her brother, and the rest of the, the band of brothers, the B team, could listen to Jesus about the things of God and the kingdom of God, and that their life could be reshaped. What if that turned out to be the story? That would be really good, wouldn't it? Still, it's, it's a great story. And it's not just a story. It's, it's, we take this to be historically accurate. Luke is a historically accurate individual. Read, read the book of Luke. Read the Christmas story. In the days when Caesar Augustus was emperor and all that stuff, and Quirinius was the governor. I mean, who cares? Luke does because it's historical. He's a historical guy. This stuff happened. What if the story was written that way? But it wasn't. But remember, Jesus, Jesus always takes opportunity, does he not? And he says, Martha, Martha. Hey. Not Marsha, Marsha. It's Martha, Martha. Um, and it wasn't like Martha forgot who she was and her name. Jesus said Martha, Martha in such a way that it was tender. It was tender. She needed a little redirection. He said, you're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will, be, it will not be taken away from her. Now, this is not a sermon. I don't want this sermon to fall in line with all the other sermons about Mary and Martha. Because typically what pastors will do is they will create an ancient civil war, sister against sister. Mary good, Martha bad. Do this, not that. No. That's, that's not what this is at all. Remember how we started this Jesus wants to do, God wants to do big things in small places. Enormous things. And he chose to stop here because they opened the door to him and his, his crew. And remember where the right place is? The right place is always with Jesus. Jesus. Therefore, if you follow the reasoning of thought, both Mary and Martha are both in the right place. But as I said, if, if you want heaven on earth, you've got to be in the right place. But folks, sometimes, just, just sometimes, we can be in the right place And just missing the kingdom of God because of our perspective. Because of our perspective. You can be in the longitude and latitude of Jesus. 
but just one decimal off and missing the kingdom of God because of perspective. We here at Wapakonaz don't want you to miss the kingdom of God. We don't want you to miss God. We don't want you to miss the relationship that you can have, the transformation that can happen. We don't want you to walk out of anything that we do thinking God's doing something over there and someone else and not me. The fact is, He wants to. He really does. He wants to do something in you so that He can do something through you for those that are around you. Loved people, loving people to Jesus, yeah. So, as we wrap up, or as I go backward, this is what we're going to take home with us. This is what I want to challenge us with today. Folks, because we can sit in here, and you can listen And you can listen over the podcast or online. If we don't do something with it, if we don't let let it rub us and move us, man, James said, be hearers, and not merely hearers, but be doers. So one, open your home, your heart. Open your heart to Jesus Christ. Folks, like I said, you can be in the right place. Still miss the kingdom of God. There's not a single change in your life that God can bring unless you allow Him to do it. You may be, have been coming to Wapak Naz or coming to church for a long time. You may have a relationship with Jesus. You may have confessed and professed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. But you're keeping them outside the door. Invite them in. Sit and listen before the Lord. I want to look at Mary for just a second. He said, Mary is doing what is right, what is needed, what will last. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Last week, and you have it in your bulletin this week, there's a sheet of paper that has two months, March and April. Um, one of the things that we're challenging you to do is, 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 one, read a particular scripture a day through Lent. But also in Lent, um, Lent's about giving up, right? Um, I think Lent also needs to be about giving too. But uh, Lent's about giving up, sacrifice, self-sacrifice. We identify with Christ. Tomorrow, if you look on your calendar, I didn't realize this until like this morning. So this was typed up last night and all that stuff. I didn't realize this until today, but tomorrow the challenge is you're reading a particular scripture, but also sit quietly before the Lord for 20 minutes. 
I'm lacking like 19 minutes and 30 seconds on mine. Um, But I challenge you to be a little bit like Mary in your life. To sit before the Lord. Quiet yourself. I think often when we go in, this isn't merely just prayer. This isn't merely reading Scripture. This is, this is being quiet before God. I think when we, we, we talk about this, we often flip James's words. Be quick to speak and slow to listen. I challenge you to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And how to do that? Just invite Him like we just did earlier. Invite him to speak. And then let him speak. Let him talk to your heart. It's awkward. Let me just tell you, it's really awkward to try this, um, to do this and make this a practice because we are in a, in an, a time and a place and an age that everything is vying for our attention. Technology, kids, parents the hamster on the wheel going in your own head right and sometimes and I'll I'll admit sometimes when I try to do this I don't hear a single word from Jesus wait you're the pastor yeah that's right sometimes I don't hear a single word from Jesus guess what it's okay you've made yourself available And more often than not, when I don't hear a single thing from Jesus, I've actually got up and I've had more peace in my life because I've engaged with Jesus. I've engaged with God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding enters in, allowed him to enter in. Last but not least, serve so someone can listen, sit and listen. What do you mean by that, Ambrose? Well, folks, perspective, right? Every time Grandpa trains somebody on the soundboard, he has this wonderful um, elevator speech. And he says, you need to understand. He told this to Michael. He's told this to Mike. He's told this to everyone. You need to understand. When you were back here at the soundboard, you are enabling everyone in this room to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're at the soundboard. Someone is serving so that you can listen, right? Make sense? Kind of get that idea? There are children's ministry partners that are upstairs every week serving, one, so that our kids... They hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they fall madly in love with Jesus and madly in love with our community. But they also serve on a rotation. We do our best to do a rotation here because you can't just be the only one serving up there because what happens? You don't get to be down here and worship together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't get to sit at the Lord's feet together with the body. So, rotation basis. We try to do that with our warming team. We try to do that with our ministry partners. 
so that others can sit and stand and kneel and shake hands and hug and pray and do what the body does here. So, I challenge you, serve so that someone can sit and listen like Mary. Serve somewhere so that someone else can hear the gospel. So, will you please stand? And uh, would you just bow your heads just for a moment? And I'm going to challenge you to have a conversation. Not with me or yourself, but with Jesus, with God. Which of those three things? And it could be something else that the Lord spoke to you. And if, if that's right, great. Ask the Lord which of those three things, or if all three of those things, do you need to step into? Go ahead and ask him. Father, we ask you today, what is it that you desire for us to do? There's a lot said beyond these three things. There's a lot said, and you're, 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 really you have been dealing with people. You've been working in people, and I praise you for that. And we ask that you continue to do so. But this morning, we ask you three things. Do you want us to, to open our home, our heart to you? Do you want us to sit at your feet and take just a brief moment in our day and be quiet before you and allow you to talk, which, quite frankly, you call us all to do. Or is there somewhere that you want us to serve so that others could listen to the Lord? And that could be Honduras. But that could be up in the nursery. It could be a warming team member. It could be vacuuming the carpet. It could be a many number of things. What is it, Lord God? Quite frankly, Lord, we ask that you do enormous things through us in our community. May our vision not be small for what you can do in Wapakoneta, in Shawnee, in Bodkins, in this region. May our vision not be small. And may our vision not be small in us. Raise the bar. And may we accept that challenge. Lord, we love you, Jesus. And we thank you. And we give you praise and all the glory. It's in your name that we, we ask this morning. Amen. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please, please love your neighbor as yourself.